0: Welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. Uh, This week's episode is with Mitch Alexander who is a philosophy communicator and a metalhead and we're going to talk about stuff in a minute but I wanted to say thank you everyone who's contributed to the Patreon. A couple of people have upped their pledges. That is very nice. I really appreciate it. I've been trying to write more on the Patreon sort of blogs and things and again most of them are free. I think about one in four I'll put as a $1 thing, just so that the people who are contributing can get a thing from that. Lots of exciting things happening. If you are in Melbourne, I'll be in the frocking hilarious gala at the Athenaeum next Friday for Action Aid, which is actually a very good cause. And I, uh, I'm looking forward to that a lot. I might try and write a new song for it or something, because I'm in the midst of writing new material for the new show, Empire, which will be coming to the festivals next year. Thank you. Everybody who's emailed me, fraser at gmail.com or tweet me at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. So, now to the podcast.
1: I'm not too bad. You've caught me uh, communicating uh, philosophically.
0: You mean using your phone?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just checking Facebook. <laughs> 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 that's, what, that's all it is in this day and age. I think if Dr. Carl deGrasse Tyson came up in the age of smartphones and facebook that's what they would be doing yeah they do do it actually like i mean richard Dawkins he tweets heaps. so maybe he shouldn't maybe maybe (laughs) some people shouldn't
0: (laughs) have twitter maybe you should pass a certain kind of test before you i mean i'm sort of in this morose period because i've been simultaneously doing the um social media stuff for the project and also the project on channel 10 not my secret project um but (coughs) The number of friends who I'm like, I've got to go work on the project. And they're like, fine, <laughs> don't tell me then. Is uh,
1: <laughs> As far as vague name goes, that was just funny watching it go like, the 7pm project and then the 6pm project for a little while, like two weeks and at the 6.30pm project. I was like, this is not Let's working. Let's just call it
0: the project and assume we won't be given a time slot that is fixed. S-
1: since they changed it to the project, it's had a fairly consistent time slot, yeah? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but that's the way you have to let it go before it comes to you.
1: Um, yeah. That's how the world works.
0: So we are living in a world where yesterday the American election came through.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. So everything is now meaningless, is effectively. Well, it. I
0: was going to talk about um, moral reasoning actually, because I was listening to uh, "You Are Not So Smart," which is an excellent podcast, uh, and he was talking about moral reasoning, and I was thinking it was really fascinating because it had some insights that I hadn't. Yeah. Really, I don't think I'd really internalized those yet. Um. <laughs> well, no, you know what I mean, like. No, I'm
1: just t- laughing at the fact that we just got dip.
0: Yeah, we got dip because we are sitting we in the Acme Cafe.
1: Shout out to Acme Cafe where we've got. Some I feel tea like coming it's down. almost
0: sponsorship. Uh, yes, we do have tea coming. We have a peppermint <laughs> tea and a ginger and lemongrass tea. What mm-hmm. would you prefer?
1: I'll try. Can I try a bit of both? Yes, I don't you can. know which one I want. All right. But um, yeah. So I do. I do like I'll that pour. we're living in. Living in a post-President Trump world. Well, President-elect Trump. That's that's oddly hopeful.
0: That one's peppermint. I'll
1: try that. Hopeful yeah, in
0: that you think something might happen.
1: I think he'll get impeached. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he'll last the four years. Um, I could be wrong. Everyone's been wrong about all of this the entire time. But I just don't think when you've got the two, the the two parts of the establishment. What not wanting you there.
0: That's the lemongrass and ginger.
1: Cool. Like, I I just think, I don't think it's... I don't think he's in a tenable situation, but what I'm worried about is the the person that comes next. Yeah. The person who... Learns the lessons. Well, the person who already gets politics, but who has the charisma to carry off a Trump-esque campaign. Um... But anyway, everyone, everyone knows what's going on with Trump. If I'm assuming if they're listening to this podcast, they're well aware of not only Trump being president-elect, but also a lot of the reasoning behind how it happened and why people got it wrong and whatnot. But what did you want to hit up about um, moral reasoning?
0: Moral reasoning. that They did these really interesting studies on this idea. First of all, the thing that was interesting was that whether you're conservative or liberal doesn't have a... A huge amount to do with choice necessarily it has to do with the way you're geared you either i mean this is overly simplified but you either sort of have a taste for purity or moral like moral purity re- reasoning appeals to you or you have this kind of taste for novelty and then you and then you'll be more interested in sort of these empathy reasoning so liberals sort of argue along empathy lines conservatives argue along purity lines yeah, right. And so they did these studies on persuasion and you can persuade a conservative person of a liberal position or a traditionally liberal position mm-hmm. if you put it in terms of their moral values and vice yeah. versa. So you can convince a, a liberal, you know, some, not all, but you can convince some liberals of the idea that everyone in America, I mean this study was done in America, that everyone in America should speak English yeah. if you frame it in terms of equality of opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can, conv- can, you can persuade some conservatives of sort of gay marriage rights and so on and so forth if you talk about um, patriotism. Yeah. So they well, found we this out. But then the other other insight, sorry to interrupt, I'm just going to get this out. I'm just interrupting you. <laughs> um, the, the other thing, the other massive insight that they had was that people don't like doing that. So, you don't just want someone to agree with you. You want them to agree with you for the right reasons.
1: Yeah, for your reasons, which you know are right.
0: Yeah, and that's where it all sort of breaks down horribly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, makes sense. That, like, spin has been a thing forever. Yeah. And it's the... Yeah, like, I forget exactly what it was, but there are... Oh, we were talking the other day about... um, conservative reasons for marriage equality and one of them is like taking all the hassle out of litigation when it comes to children and the rights of parents and blah 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 a lot of that can just be sort of simplified if everyone is on the same footing we don't have all these extra type of um laws or like needing to use the courts and all that sort of stuff um and the same sort of thing of the conservative position in um uh switzerland the conservatives were the ones that ended up pushing the largest drug reforms there and they did it for conservative reasons. They did it to save themselves money. They did it to, you know, hold on to their values and stop the erosion of society by decriminalising drugs and setting up injection rooms and whatnot because that's how we hold on to what we want and the druggies don't take it away. You can can frame... I I think that type of thing just lends credence to the idea that facts of the world are v- valueless, value-neutral. Like, marriage equality isn't a... Inherently
0: n- a liberal thing?
1: Inherently a good or bad thing. It's just a thing. We've constructed this whole society. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one. I think there is I think objective morality within a subjective framework. I think if we accept the fact that we as humans have created an... In, uh, an entire planet worth of dealing with each other and we've given a name to right or wrong actions and how we feel about them, then I think we can work on trying to find an objective sort of core to that. But I think it's more understanding that it comes from a totally subjective sort of place.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting in light of all this kind of debate back and forth about how the Liberals failed when it came to Trump. Yeah. And and
1: everyone failed when it came to Trump though everyone except Trump supporters I think failed when it came to Trump at least because they didn't recognise what was going on
0: but I mean this is sort of a thread that I've been talking about for a little while on the podcast I think we talked about it the last time you were on of people who are kind of so caught up in their own battles that they fail to see the bigger battle that they've they've left behind because it's boring
1: yeah, I think I've, I've since, since Trump. I mean, we've all been doing a lot of thinking for the last twenty four hours. Um, I just, I have this sense, and I could be, I could be well off. I have no idea, but it does seem like humans survive with friction, and when things are going well, we create problems for ourselves, and we manufacture issues to then always be in opposition to or to always be fighting against or for. And that's why a lot of the left of the Western world has taken on what other people think are totally redundant or farcical issues. Um. I mean, I, I do definitely think that the pronouns that you use for someone, especially if they're trans or intersex or anything like that, is deeply important to them. It is an important issue. But if you're... If you didn't grow up thinking about that, knowing about that, and then the, the smelting plant that you worked in for 40 years shuts down and you've got a family to support, being told that that's not as important as something else when you reach out to people, being told that's not important as an issue that you didn't know was an issue is going to cause friction of a certain type that both sides aren't prepared for. I think that's been the huge problem. And there's there's a lot of people now talking about the role that social media has had in creating these sort of echo chambers and bubbles and that we had dissenting ideas filtered out and so we didn't know how bad it really was and we thought we were always on the cause of right and both sides do and it's a very weird thing.
0: I think the fundament well one of the fundamental problems is this it's not my job to educate you attitude, which is totally understandable. Yeah. Where if you don't know what it is, it's where In an internet debate, you're talking about, you know, for example, a feminist issue, and someone goes, "But why? Why don't? Why do women need rights?" Or something equally stupid. By your kind of, you're way past that point of wondering. You know, you figured that out when you were 15, and instead of explaining it or linking them to an, you say, "It's not my job to educate you," and that relies on an assumption that we are, that progress is natural and inevitable, that progress towards equality is going to happen. So it's kind of like an impatient attitude. You're on the wrong side of history, catch up. Mm. But there's no point in history where we've had equality, where we haven't had tribalism, where we haven't had this kind of thing. So the idea that people will educate themselves or that they'll catch up. I mean if you want to change the world you have to fight tirelessly. Like you just have to keep Hitting the same button again and again, and of course that's complicated by people who are just trolls and making things annoying and frustrating on purpose. Yeah, exactly. And of course I can understand why you wouldn't have patience with that. But equally, if somebody is genuinely asking a question,
1: but the big part of that, the problem with that is that you can't tell online.
0: Yeah, it's you can't. really,
1: it's really hard to tell. I, I was accused years ago of perpetuating microaggressions because I was genuinely asking questions about something I was ignorant on, and that was the first time it. Hit me with this, the weird vitriol of it, the 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 f- the impassioned fury that they had to tell me that what I was doing was problematic in asking and trying to expand my mind, that I should go away. And I think there is something to that, to the point of
0: well, of course you're impatient if yes. you're
1: if you're interested in something. I mean, like the other people, if you're interested in something or you want to learn, you can you can Google it. It isn't anyone's. It isn't anyone's job. No one has an obligation to you to educate you. But if you're both online and you're both talking on a fucking Facebook thread, just type a few sentences. Yeah. Either don't engage at all. Mm. Don't spend the energy telling someone that you're not going to spend energy on them.
0: Yeah. That's what. Well, that's what pisses me, me off about also it. Also, the like, go Google it is also like you're assuming that they won't end up on a Reddit forum. On Brett bite. Uh, that, they, that they'll have the education to be able to tell what is a legitimate source yeah. and what isn't when no one really can.
1: Which I think is, is a problem of the left as well. Like, just because someone has a blog with a large reach doesn't mean that their new think piece is in any way well thought through or valid or helpful. It's, we're, all, we're all guilty of it. It's very nice to find people that agree with what you... Right, I was, I was talking to someone today... But then um, it's the
0: assumption that if you find the right information, you will know that it's the right information yeah, because exactly. it will feel right to you.
1: Which is, and yeah, totally wrong. that's the most it's
0: dangerous assumption yeah, it's, because of that moral values thing. You don't know what will feel right to somebody.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like we've all been rather polemic online in the last 24 hours and it's been fun to talk to people about that and actually figure out, like, where did we as leftists go wrong? What can we do to fix this blah, 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 blah. and it just sort of occurred to me like when someone was like that is spot on accurate that's exactly how trump got in and i and i went well actually i don't actually know hey i, I don't know i could be well off this is just what i think is right i think that's a safer attitude to have instead of just going well of course this brand of progressive ideology whichever one it is is correct because it's 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 liberation and i know it's liberation because i was told it was liberation but this other way and that feels right as well and it's
0: yeah the one that i like to remember the little kind of demographic example that i try to remember when i'm talking about feminism is that the biggest cost of women going into the workplace was social mobility yeah so Social mobility basically froze when women went into the workplace because young men who used to do... You know, you'd be a poor young man who wanted to better himself. You'd get a job as a secretary. You'd work your way up. That path froze because people would go into their class level of job. Women and men would go into their level of job and very few people would rise because they were full, the jobs above them. Yeah, right. So, like, the fact that that was liberation like liberation isn't an absolute necessarily yeah and i would never I argue against women being in the workplace yeah i think but to a pretend that that was an un- unalloyed good or that no one was injured by it or that there was no cost to that mm. is is that just yeah the naturalist thinking of course if it's right there won't be anything wrong that comes from it
1: it's the hardest thing to sort of think about those ideas that seem self-evidently true, those sort of moral reasons moral reasoning or assumptions about people's autonomy or whatever it is, it is really hard to examine those things because they don't cause doubt it's really easy to bring something up, a thought that you have or a belief or whatever it is and examine it if you're having trouble with it for a little bit, but any of the things that have come about in your mind in whatever sort of way that don't bring about uneasiness or don't rub up against a like a contrary idea Mm. how are you supposed to examine that because there's literally uncountable number of things that we hold in our mind like that I'm I, I am not going to examine my belief that Water is always going to be good for me if I get it from the tap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Prob- like the problem of induction is one of those things. There's the unexamined idea that it is always better to have more choices than less. That's 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 used by economists all the time. That is one of the functions that they use in their a lot of their um, theories, and it's just plainly not true. Uh, Gerald Dawkins has a, a like a full chapter on that in one of the early works on autonomy that just shows easily why that's not true. There's also like. I've, I had a moment when I'm doing um, warm-ups for my horrible death metal vocal sounds. I'm not to talk about this last time I was on the podcast. No, I don't know. But.
0: If you did, I can't remember. Say it again.
1: I just, I make horrible noises when I'm doing my warm-ups. Sometimes I have to do them in public and I get very self-conscious when people see me and I only realised not that long ago that I'm self-conscious if a white person sees me or black people see me, not if it's Asians. Why? I don't know. <laughs> that's the thing because it's, but it's never it's never occurred to me because I'm like well I just I simply don't care or I simply care in those moments it never got to me like that's problematic and so one of my first thoughts was ah oh, they probably don't probably don't understand the language it's like I'm not speaking English I'm just making noise but there's this underlying sort of thing of like ah oh, probably not and that's that's assuming that every single Asian person that walks towards me while I'm doing my warm-ups. Doesn't speak English. Some of them definitely do.
0: Probably most of them do. Like
1: when I, when I said, like most of them probably have Australian accents, even. And I'm just still just like, well, unless I know that, then they probably don't. And it was this weird unexamined thing. There was another moment when I started uh, postgrad. I just assumed all the women in my cohort were older than me. <laughs> just I j- It was just that was a given. And it, but it
0: why did you? Do you know why you assumed that? Or is I can it just only
1: think. I can only think it's because. If they were there was no conceivable way that there would be younger women at a at the level that I was at academically.
0: Oh, zing, man.
1: But that's that's the thing. And when I thought of that, I was like, well, that's a poem, that's a horrible thing. But it was unexamined in my mind, and mm. it just filtered in. And it wasn't it wasn't that I looked at everyone and went, hmm, they all must be older because of this reason. It was Oh, should we pick this up later? Is that going to...
0: Yeah, they've just turned up the music massively.
1: Let's, let's finish this tea, do a runner and pick this up later.
0: All right. I mean, <laughs> I mean I've already paid, so it's not exactly oh, a runner. <laughs> All right. So we're in a slightly quieter space. Hopefully. What were we talking about? Um, we finished our tea, we finished our dips.
1: They were both quite nice. It doesn't matter now. I actually feel pretty good. No. <laughs> My base, like, animal levels have been sort of satisfied. I, like, oh, I reckon Trump's going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon we're good. Uh, um, yeah, moral
0: reasoning. We were talking about moral reasoning. We were talking about moral reasoning. people's desire to have people agree with them for... The right reasons, rather than just agree with them.
1: Yeah, which, but I think obviously, when you say the right reasons, I think it is important to be really explicit what you think is the right reason. Yeah, that what is you the f- whole no point. no what
0: you feel is the right reason because yeah. this is the problem is that people think that uh, your moral reasoning is necessarily logical or better or, or at least more well thought through or self evident in that way that that's is self evident to logic.
1: That's why that's why moral theory uh, like is so difficult to get across to people because there are a lot of different ways of conceptualizing what it is we think is intuitive but also demonstrating why it isn't and, like, and, and no one like philosophers have never wanted morality to just be intuitive because that's when we get like in-group tribalism and cannibalism and whatnot like you, you can justify anything well that's
0: also the point. also i mean you look at the politics of disgust like a lot of, for example, vegan arguments are based on disgust and that the idea is that it's disgusting to eat animals and and yeah. that it sh- when you examine it rationally it appears to you to be disgusting. Mm. And that is not actually self evident. Like I that's th- not a natural well,
1: Again like the idea state. That the, the
0: I speak oh. as someone who very, very rarely eats meat.
1: I think, y- yeah, you can you can talk about how it's you can use you could like vegans look at it rationally and come to the conclusion that it's disgusting. It's ra- Rationality is a tool. It's not a state of affairs. It's not a. Uh, it's not a um, way of looking at. It's supposed to be more quiet than there. are...
0: That's all right. No, it is more quiet, but it's not quite for my eyes. We just um, have uh, some ladies in traditional costume walking past. I don't know what it's a traditional costume of, but it's definitely very traditional.
1: It's definitely very traditional, and they've except just except for the
0: heels. They've all got very high heels. And
1: they've just taken the, uh, like the. What I- what is that? Just the the, there's, g- a, there's, the a, there's a there's a, they've cordoned off an area. that says no access, and they've just flagrantly walked through the area that says no access. I hope.
0: They're traditional rebels.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, like the I- the idea that rationality can lead to a moral truth is not a really that tenable an idea like a lot of people like a lot of people like the idea that you can use rationality to get to morality but it's really quite hard to do
0: well particularly when you look at like the prevailing conservative ideas of morality versus the modern secular <laughs> idea the of morality police. yeah who
1: was that what was his name that again? Was,
0: Damn was oh God, it was Rush Limbaugh who said without apparently any sense of the kind of how repulsive his reasoning was that, you know, liberals will do anything, any kind of sexual act, any combination of genders and numbers of people... And and rationalise it so long as you have this little thing called consent.
1: The, yeah, the, the language that he used and was like here's have, the key.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the key is consent, the C you can do word. anything that is like sinful or horrible or repulsive or wrong so long as the two people <laughs> are consenting. And from my <laughs> side of morality, I'm like yeah, uh-huh.
1: that was.
0: And then he said, in the moment you have a whiff of non-consent. You know, then they, <laughs> they call in the rape police. They call
1: in the rape police. Who so are he's just coming police. from,
0: you know, he's coming from a generation where it was legal to rape your wife in marriage because <laughs> marriage, married sex was inherently yeah. sinless or sin, uh, or not as sinful as I don't really know uh, Christian theology that well, but that was sort of the underlying sense of his morality that consent, which is this moral code for our side. Mm. And seems so natural and obviously the correct way to measure the good of a situation.
1: That's a really good example of why rationality doesn't lead to a moral truth per se, unless you're being really rigorous. Because we can rationalise our way to why consent is the highest good, and he can rationalise his way to the, the idea that consent isn't the highest good. There are b- there are bigger things to worry about.
0: Yeah, and it depends on what you take as even, and also our even our kind of general sense that consent is the be all and end all. We l- we put limitations on that, of course. People, c- we don't let people consent to things that are grievous bodily harm. You know, we don't cons- let people consent to you know if they're beyond, below a certain age, and there's no.
1: That that's more an idea that they can't consent. But yeah.
0: Yeah, but obviously.
1: They w- th- yeah, you, I mean, that is, you, you that's you can, a you can an a arbitrary... Con- you can have a six-year-old consenting to jelly for dinner, yeah. but it's not r- that the argument there is that's not real consent. No. But, to the but point that's of a, to a point relatively of arbitrary yeah. state. But the, the, the point of, like, grievous bodily harm and all those sort of other things, I mean, where do you fall on that? Because I sort of think if, if like, consent is the be-all and end-all to the point of if no-one else is being hurt... I think it's fine. I think the, 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 the important word in that phrase is else. Like every, if everyone's consenting to the hurt that's involved, mm. then yeah, and I think, I, I think you should be able to. But then again, do, but do you then rationalise hurt as a cost to the healthcare system? Yeah. Like do you, do you, he keeps and, and he keeps chopping example, his fingers off. And and
0: what about c- consent in coerced situations or coercive situations or situations where not real you're not even yeah. But again, not real consent. What if you are you know a 16 year old girl, and the man you're with is not pressuring you, but you have just been in a group of female friends who've been talking about how lame it is not to have lost your virgin. Like all yeah. of those things that sort of impede or or. Affect consent that you should be.
1: Well, then we're talking about autonomy.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is what I've been studying, so maybe we're not talking about maybe it. Maybe we're not talking I about just talk. find that in everything. I love that in, in, in <laughs>
0: my postgrad degree where you'd be talking and someone would be like, hmm, you haven't really considered what Derrida would say in this situation. I was <laughs> like, no, you're studying Derrida. Like, <laughs> no, we haven't. This is
1: <laughs> we haven't thought about what Derrida would say to that. Is that music again?
0: I think that music is. <laughs> I think they're trying to get us out of here. Do we want
1: to walk and talk?
0: Can uh, we do that? Can we try? No, I reckon, I reckon we just make it a short podcast. No, okay. they've stopped the music. Um, I reckon we do another five minutes and then call it a day.
1: Okay. There this is a fraught podcast. It's
0: a fraud podcast, but this is the world we live in. We live in a fraught world. We live,
1: we live in a world now with no answers, so this podcast will not provide any solutions.
0: On the bright side, this is like this Trump thing... ...is the argument for this podcast. For me, the state of affairs where people are increasingly in our society... ...incapable of having a reasonable discussion with someone who they disagree with... Mm. ...because of these kind of moral values, moral reasoning... ...the idea that somebody who can't be brought to agree with you on a moral level... ...cannot be reasoned with or cannot be spoken to... Yeah or is, w- you know, impossible to to find compromise with.
1: Yeah, it's the... That, that is how we've gotten to this point of just, like, the, the fracturing between. And I think the...
0: So, basically, the, my my argument is that all of the music in the world is stacked against this podcast <laughs> and we're fighting great odds to bring something worthwhile to the world. How do you feel about that?
1: Hopeless. But that's got nothing to do with this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what what makes you feel hopeless?
1: Um, what makes me what's made me feel really hopeless is the small amount of people in the 24 hours since Trump was Trump won the election uh, not reassessing or not wanting to find out what was wrong with themselves and their friends and their ideology and their beliefs and just doubling down. Just watching people watching people behave the same way today as they did two days ago, was a surreal experience to me because as a staunch leftist, as a am a hardcore unionist, I'm probably communist if given half a chance, like I've got that far to the left to watch...
0: You did w- share your tea with me, so... What I... Not I can b- vouch for the communism.
1: <laughs> 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 but that, that's the, like all of these watching my side, which is a horrible way to think of it, watching some people of that just not get it and to just not realise that we have now transitioned into a different phase of the discourse or whatever you want to call it. We are in a different world now where the the policies and the, the personality that Trump was was appealing to the majority of Americans that Brexit, Brexit encompassed More for people than what it actually was. We've all heard those stories about how once Brexit came through, all of these like sweet old ladies were telling their Pakistani friends, "Well, you've got to leave the country now. You should go. We don't want you here." It was about Britain leaving the EU. Yeah, but
0: But it wasn't, not for the people who voted for it. Exactly, and
1: so this idea of, like, Trump represents, like, a fuck-you-to-the-establishment, for some people he certainly did, but he represented so much more, and one of the things he represented was a middle finger to the left, and for the left to wake up after all these things that are happening, after after the fascists in France gaining ground, after everything happening in Hungary, the Philippines president being popular for promoting mass murder, to then have people just go... Oh, my God, lol, are you serious right now? I I'm not here to educate you. Or you should check your privilege in this conversation. It's like, we've run, we, we've run the experiment now. Left internet dialogue There was a really failed. interesting
0: article, and I've talked about it before, by Gia Tolentino, who used to be, or maybe still is, one of the major uh, figures in Jezebel, yeah. which is an online feminist resource. And she wrote this article saying, the outrage project has failed. Yeah. The using this weapon... Which has been, you know, effective in various areas, has not stopped this far-right rise. Has yeah. not stopped this, this anti, you know, women anti-immigrant sentiment. It mm. hasn't been effective, other than to make us feel self-righteous. S- yeah, but I, I think she, you know, as somebody who was sort of deep within that movement, she felt you know really kind of upset and shocked that it hadn't because it feels like you're doing something if you're getting mm. angry and other other people are agreeing with you and, yeah. and and some people are having their minds changed you feel like you're really making a huge difference yeah. and the reality was that you know they were only making a difference in a flock
1: yeah it was it was a tiny difference exactly compared to exactly
0: and then it's exactly the same in, in almost every way as an evangelical sort of church service where people are getting worked up and fired up and casting out the devil and feeling this togetherness and this kind of wonderful sense of community and support. To what end? Yeah. Other than to forge the bonds of the community stronger, you're not necessarily affecting the world and you're not necessarily affecting the devil.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, really, it's really upsetting to think that those places like Jezebel or... Uh, like, the, the the hardcore, like, feminist... That's just the, easy, this is the easiest example to compare it to. I think there are... It's funny to have, like, those male-tier mugs. They are funny. But to then think that that's the main point of the argument or that's what feminism is, is exactly why we have things like Milo in the alt-right. Yeah. That is... Because... W- and we, we think in our bubble on the left side, it's like, well, we're for equality. We're for... Prog- we're not for anti-Semitism, so obviously we're right. We all know Nazis are wrong. That's, object- that's an objective fact. The people reading the blogs on the alt-right have the same feeling of self-righteousness and correctness as the people reading the blogs on the far left. Yeah. And that's what no-one has managed to sort of come together on. It's and like, other oh, than we going, we yeah, the but same. their
0: feeling is wrong, yeah. there's not much more of an argument that it's has been... direct. self wrong directed at that that it's It's the sense that other people should understand the righteousness of your cause Mm. and the frustration that they don't and the unwillingness to be confronted with constant reminders that they don't Mm. and that you can't persuade them to and that some people are just going to think that women will be happier if they're looked after like all of that stuff you need to doesn't engage with if you want those people to change their minds.
1: Do you think... Because I have a feeling that there is a fundamental difference between the left and the right, and in politics it's usually that the right don't curtail to the left at all when they're in power. They just kick. And then whenever the left get into power, or the more left get into power, they try to appease both sides. And there does seem to be this difference of the left get frustrated when we're shouting online and people aren't agreeing with us, but it doesn't there doesn't seem to be the same desire to change people from the alt-right and the red pill and those sort of places. They seem to revel in the fact that they are right and they just let the children whinge and oh it, 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 you're, now these tears feel good, but there's no active no, you know what? Feminism, it's turned into the same thing in a lot of circles online. There is no attempt to change men's minds on things there is just, oh, m- male tears, here's my picture with my mug again and yeah. that's, just, that's just as frustrating as someone who d- agrees with the tenets of feminism. The
0: de- I mean, think, I think it's the delegitimizing <laughs> Because so much of, of recent history particularly, but arguably most of history, has given so much airtime to, quote, white men... Yeah. ..then the sense that they... There's this kind of victorious kicking the bully sense...
1: From who? The left. From the left. When yeah.
0: when white men are not allowed to have their say. Shut up. you don't get to speak anymore
1: I do think part of that is the reaction from white men has been so overblown because they've not had anything taken away they've just now got more competition in the form of minorities and women and everyone else who'd never had a voice before now they're struggling to maintain the superior voice yes that's the issue it's not that they've got eroding freedoms they've just got competition because more people are on more of an equal footing
0: but I mean it is to a certain extent a zero sum game yeah they're not wrong there yeah and and to tell them that their feelings aren't even legitimate is then sort of putting the boot in on somebody who is... Like, it's not to say... And that's what like Trump did. But like like what Trump, th- what to- Trump a, did like was... Like, a, s- a, a billionaire child having a toy taken away from them is as sad as a poor child having a toy taken away from them. Yeah. Even though it is objectively a more trivial offence. But to simultaneously privilege... Um, Narratives of personal feeling, and then say, "But you're not allowed to have feelings. We're allowed to have feelings because we haven't been allowed to talk about our feelings. But you're not allowed even to have them. You just need to shut up and get back in the bin, and like you know, make space for us." Yeah, which I I think I understand that argument, but it's also it doesn't work for if you're like an 18-year-old boy who's never done anything.
1: That's that's the big thing, and I think there is something to be said for men like, appropriating the, their messages when they don't need... Like, bringing their own bullshit into it when they don't need to. Like, it is, it is an issue when women are talking about something or people are talking about a feminist issue and men go, oh, yeah, but what about how men are raped more in prison or whatever it is? Yeah, it's like, yeah. we're not talking about that now. That's, that is as petulant as going up to the pink ribbon, like, sellers and knocking the table over and I'm like, colon cancer! Yeah. So like, we're not talking about that currently. We can have these discussions around it. On the flip side, there was a... There either was a contingent of the left that told them to shut the fuck up and that their feelings aren't legitimate or if that didn't happen, somehow the impression that that is what's happening got out there and that still results in the same outcome that needs to be addressed by the left. Either we have a PR problem or we're being assholes. Hmm. But both both of those are fixed from us which is something that we have refused to deal with, is that we go, well, That's not that at all. This is the right, you coming up with nonsense. Well, we need to at least combat that nonsense then. Yeah. The, it, it, it is that thing of crime feels like it's on the rise. It's not.
0: I don't think you unpacked that for this audience.
1: It's um, It was Newt Gingrich was talking about how crime feels like it's on the rise and the reporter that was talking to him at the time said, but it's not. And he said, yes, but a lot of people feel like it is. And the news reporter scoffed and went, Okay, but it's not. We don't have to worry about crime. And he said, no, but people feel like crime is on the rise, so we have to deal with crime. And they're both right. Yeah. is the terrible thing. You can't, if you ignore the fact that people think crime is up... Yeah. ...then you have Trump getting elected because people will regardless think that crime is on the rise
0: yeah you have to be seen to be dealing with it
1: and you can't just give raw fact that's what i liked about bernie sanders i think he was the first uh left figure in a long time that went He didn't go screw the facts, but he just sort of went, I have the facts behind me. If I need to back this up, I can. But I'm appealing to emotions. I was talking about this with you the other day. He didn't go, well, look, we can take funding away from the military in these certain ways, and then this is how we can roll it into healthcare. And with that healthcare funding, over the course of four years, we can start to get uh, more dental work. He just went, you all Americans, you're all proud people, you need teeth. How come Americans don't have teeth? And people went, fuck, yeah. And Donald Trump did the exact same thing.
0: Yeah.
1: But so many people... I think the
0: traditional party has started downstairs.
1: I think it might have.
0: (laughs) These are quite directional mics, so I don't think they'll pick up a huge amount. Don't point them at (laughs)
1: the Um, music. There's there's no way that's not in the background. But
0: no, it is in the background, but it's not. I um, there is atmospheric.
1: I think the biggest chunk of the reasons for why Trump got in are based in the right and problems with the right. And I think anyone who is... I don't think there's a conservative out there that should be pro-Trump, except for maybe the, the isolationist policies. And there should be no conservatives really into one nation. And the idea of Brexit being a conservative position is just sort of weird. It's a, it's a right-wing sort position. of position. It's more fascist than anything else if you think of fascism as like hyper-nationalism with a powerful leader. Yeah. It's closer to that idea of just strength of the nation. Yeah. And I, so I think a lot of the problems need to be addressed by the right itself. The, the Republican Party needs to think about what the fuck it's doing. The different factions in the Liberal Party in Australia need to think about what they're actually doing, holding the country to ransom with something like the marriage equality, plebiscite and whatnot. But as a leftist, and it sucks to think that we're talking about all the problem of being in the echo chamber and the bubble, but as a leftist, I'm going to work on the left. I, yeah. We need to fix ourselves. And again if we're talking about how unwilling the left are to listen to nearly everyone, yeah. there's at least a chance they're going to listen to other leftists as opposed to right-wing conservatives.
0: I think the music is telling us this is the end of the podcast. There's
1: no hope. There's no hope. Hug your fam. Just love people. Love people viciously and with an with intense consent. fury. Without consent from afar. Don't mm-hmm. involve the other person if you love them. But if there's consent no if there's love love just love each other as hard as you can as furious as you can because that's what you get to go to bed with and wake up with the rest of it there's no hope we should burn this place to the ground and salt the earth we're fucking rubbish we deserve tire fires
0: you're having tea with Alice not for long